reflecting on the uh, Pali word that was made very prominent by uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa in the last few years, uh, which is Atamyata. And uh, he always had these kind of uh, rare kind of Pali words that suddenly pop up and start using. <clears throat> in the ordinary use of Pali, where do they come from? Did he make it up? Or well, is it scripturally accurate? But I notice in the Pali canon so much of the emphasis that Theravada is placed on their teaching is is so much a kind of endless obsession with conditions, condition or kind of counting up conditioned phenomena in lists and and in uh, like in Abhidhamma or in and even in the the you know, having everything kind of an inventory of psychological states and whatnot. So that because of this emphasis, the subtleties of the teaching in the Pali, Pali scripture sometimes are lost to many who, especially those who don't practice. This is just my opinion, by the way. But I know from my own experience, uh, the, uh, the way I, you know, my first introductions to Theravada Buddhism were very much, you know, learning all the, the lists, which is good, certainly not complaining, but very little, uh, emphasis or even pointing at the unconditioned, the deathless, even, Nirvana was made to look like uh, too much like an attainment, like something that you attained after years of hard work or effort. Because this sense of being almost impossible. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I picked it up. But this word, Atamiyata, is uh, if you dissect it, is it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, like. The, it starts with a negation, adam, ada, which means not that, which is compounded, maya, which maya, which is famous sankara, so, and and the ending da always implies state of being, the state of being of not that which is compounded, kind of clumsy translation, but. In, Interesting to reflect on that this it's not that that condition that that maya that sankara state of being. So during this uh, retreat, you know, I've been pointing at this this state of being, which is not compounded, not created. Uh, not maya. Then in terms of sankharas, uh, compounded phenomena, you know, that's a, when you start thinking and you compound, and it's a ability to add something to the present moment. 
the present moment is like this, and I can add more, you know, if I come from Maya, then I, then I start adding to it. Like a Thai translation for Sankara is Bungtang, which is, implies a kind of seasoning or adding something to, making more of it than what it is, decorating it, uh, painting something over or, or doing something to the present. So this is where the, as long as your identity is with Sankara, then you're in a kind of trap, you know, a kind of hopeless cul-de-sac of, of just uh, going around recreating, compounding every moment of your life, everything that happens with making it more than what it is. So the, the self, or the, as we use the word self in, in this tradition, is a, is a, com, a compounding the present moment, isn't it? It's, you're creating yourself into this present moment by, through, uh, remembering, have memories of self, thoughts, views, opinions, judgments, criticism, and, and operating from the self, then, then one is, is, uh, what we call a sangsara, or the endless cycles of birth and death that just keep perpetuating each other. One thing goes on to another. So that's uh, one way to, uh, using this word, I've used it quite a lot. <laughs> you know, the tendency to create, to compound the present with what I like, don't like, want or don't want, think, my particular views and opinions. Uh, not that. Not that Maya. And just seeing that this this uh, keep keep uh, kind of reflecting in that way that you're not anything that you think you are. You know, whatever you think you are and believe that you are and that you're very attached to or very frightened of or all the fears you have about what you might be or whatever, that's not what you are. You can count on that. Because that's compound with any whatever you think and believe and and uh, assume, grasp in any way is is sankara, it's maya, it's a, it's an addition you make to this present moment. You 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 kind of fix it onto this, paste it over this present moment, the here and now, and then we operate from that from that delusion. So operating from me as a personality, you know, then the, then the world starts uh, acting in that way. I see the world through personal preferences, likes and dislikes, judgments, value judgments towards myself and the and the rest of the world. Towards and, you know, it's it's an endless kind of complexity of network confusion that I create through heedlessness, through not stopping to let go, to be present, pure presence is ever transcending. When I forget that, then I, then I can get myself in a real twist of 
personality problem, people, whether people like me or not, or whether I'm, uh, I want to go back to my cave, or I want to be a grand kind of bodhisattva figure and save all sentient beings, or whether I'm too selfish or too, uh, getting too old, or and he goes on, kind of, you know, the whole, the whole personality about that tomato. And it's not a personality that, uh, none of the factors, some of them are quite pleasant and some aren't, but they, but any grasping of it always makes things more than what they are. Life becomes arduous, complicated, burdensome for me. So that's where this, uh, this awakening, this sense of awakened attention to notice. It's a matter of merely paying attention and noticing this natural state of not being anything but pure presence, which includes the you know, the present moment includes the body. It's not a, it's not a, a state that uh, kind of you float away from everything. It includes the body, the way it is, not the way you believe it and think it and and uh, habitually react to the state of your physical being. You know, but it, it's like this, and the. Uh, and the mood or emotion, it's not a, it's not a, you know, kind of rejection of anything that is present. So, whatever state of mind you're in, emotionally, high, low, bored, fed up, inspired, it all belongs, isn't it, in the present moment. Personality, uh, you know, the, 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 the assumptions around personality and convention and all this are, and our relationship to them is a, is a, a welcoming embrace rather than a sense of trying to uh, get rid of them. Because as soon as we we try to get rid of something, that there's a that's another Maya we add to it, isn't it? A bad thought arises, and I don't want it, and so it becomes I'm compounding. Compounded phenomena. That's why everything gets confusing. So there's nothing you really, there's nothing to do really in this way. Nothing you have to keep or get rid of, but trust in this uh, natural state, uncompounded, unconcocted, atamyata, or unconditioned. And you can't, that's what it's, that's why I say, a trust or faith because it's so immediate, so present, that you, have, you just have to learn to trust, to relax into this present moment, to let go, to just be the way you are right now. You know, just whatever that is in terms of Sakyatiti, Silabhata Bharamasa, Vichikicca, whatever uh, emotional qualities you're experiencing, physical mental or whatever, you can fully allow it to be this way. It's like just let it, letting it flow so you're not, you're not 
you know, as soon as you think you've got to do something about it, then you've compounded it again. You've made a problem about it. You've created yourself into someone that owns these conditions. And if they're not very good, you've got to, you know, try to get rid of them. <coughs> or this attitude, we've always got to get something that we don't have. We've got to become better than we are. To develop good qualities and, and, uh, on and on like this, self-improvement, uh, ideas of always improving ourselves, making ourselves better. There's a adding always. So that we, you know, we, when we get caught in these views and opinions or these reactions without noticing, then the, the whole birth-death scenario, we're caught into that realm again. The realm of Maya or the <coughs> Sansara. Of course, the world we live in is, believes in Maya. So I mean, the delusions you know, are supported, reinforced, affirmed in every way by our society, by the way we even, we are, we're conditioned to think. Our emotional habits have all, you know, been reactions to the assumptions that Maya or Sankara's, Sankara is the real world. Like just the Identity with the gender of the body, isn't it? That's a, that's such a strong belief that, that I am a man or a woman. Because the, we're so identified with the, with the physical body that's present. Which is either one or the other. <laughs> so then when, when say, with, uh, you know, when we identify with, with that perception, then what happens? Then we become like that, don't we? We become, I, I, the, when I identify with that perception, then, then I start uh, operating from that, from that kind of particular position of being a man, whatever that, whatever conditions I create around that perception. So then if, if I, you know, then that has its, its, you know, its way of looking and distorting reality in the present. <coughs> it's divis- divisive, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you have to hold to some condition, some perception, I am a man, and then, uh, and then that makes those women are, are not men, so there's two. So when you get to the unitive one of atamyata, so that's beyond the the gender. So rest in that, you know, so that we, we don't, you know, when we identify with any condition, you know, then it, it's, it's, uh, it binds us, it limits us, it, it corrupts the present. If we, if we, if we're blindly, ignorantly assuming that's what we are, then we can, you know, on conventional reality, we admit it. Well, you know, and they ask me when I fill out these forms for traveling, entering Thailand, or that, and they have what sex are you? I always check the little square that says M. 
no problem, is it? But it's done knowingly rather than, you know, it's not a compulsive need or an obsession of the mind. It's the conventional convention that, that you put up with in life. <laughs> I'm relating this, uh, like, uh, to sound of silence. Uh, this is a reflection, not, uh, <laughs> you know, people, I've always been feeling going to say, Ajahn Tamedo says that Tamita is the sound of silence. <laughs> Something like that. And that's not the point, is not trying to define it and to kind of figure it all out, but to recognize it. How to recognize or realize. Like the third noble truth is all about realization. When we talk about cessation, there is cessation, realize cessation. Reality. Recognize it is another word that works. Realize. And so it's not it's not a, a, a it's not a compounded thing. You're not asked to to kind of find uh, you know something uh, that you kind of through figuring it out, but through trusting in letting go letting go of the causes of suffering, you realize cessation. You're allowing things to cease. You're allowing the natural flow of phenomena. And, it, and that's what it does. It arises and ceases. And in allowing that, then you, you, you realize cessation, which you can't recognize if you're caught in the samsara. If you're just caught in the Maya or the conditioned world, you know, you're just, you know, just thinking alone, isn't it? You go from one thought to another. Just watch, just examine how thinking works. It's just uh, one thought connects to another, associates with another. And you can just endlessly proliferate uh, with thought all day, all night. Just be caught in a kind of obsessive thought to it. Emotions, you know, like fears and doubts and anxiety and worry and uh, love and hate and anger, indignation, confusion, jealousy, envy, and all these things, they're, they're, they're uh, conditioned phenomena. They have lingering qualities, don't they? They they hang about like thoughts. Movement of thoughts very rapid. Some people have very quick minds, quick thinking minds, and uh, some people are very slow thinkers. Years ago, there was a monk here who was a very slow thinker, and so uh, I would uh, have discussions with him. And I noticed every time I started talking, you get this kind of totally confused and bewildered look on his face. <laughs> and I realized I was, uh, I was much too fast for him to, you know, he's a very slow, incredibly slow thinker. And that's <laughs> I, I learned, all that, you know, that, that just by, you know, he'd be blown away by some of the, the kind of, rat-a-tat-tat type people we had here, you know, yet 
Ajahnatapemo and people kind of will your way with their fast thinking. Uh, and then people are slow, you know, you'll just get confused by it. But what, whatever, you know, the, you're a fast thinker or a slow one, it's still, you know, that's, uh, it goes, it moves quite, quite, you know, you can observe it's just, a, 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 you know, a fairly rapid movement, that, but lingering behind it, like certain words impinge. Certain words have power. You know, tones of voice, they bring up emotional reactions. So just a, a tone of voice, you know, an intimidating, contentious way of talking. I can bring, if I have some, some kind of thing I want to kind of jab you and, and kind of make you feel guilty about, I use a, a kind of, I can use language, words in order to make you, to kind of get at you in a way, just through a, a kind of tone of voice even. Oh, that's how sensitive we are. You know, we pick up innuendo and, and subtleties, not, 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 that we, that are not even, that are behind the words themselves. So these are, this is, this sensitive, uh, realm that we live is like this. So if we learn to trust and rest in the unconditioned, adamita, that we, Realize through awareness, then we can, then we can, uh, begin to notice what the conditioned realm is really like without winding ourselves up with it. Making judgments, value judgments about it, making problems about the way it is. That's when I say you can be completely yourself by letting go of self. Like in being completely yourself, that's what we all would like, just be yourself. My mother used to tell me when I was a boy, used to worry. I remember when I first, my first date when I was a teenager, and I got very upset. I didn't know what, how to, you know, what am I supposed to do? What shall I say? My mother says, just be yourself, Bob. You're such a nice boy. Uh, what's that? What is my <laughs> and then that made a problem trying to be myself probably bored the poor girl to death but she's probably having the same problem <coughs> notice how that we you know we, we're we're very uh, critical of our personalities, so who we are as a person. So that's another habit we form, you know, that that we we often don't like ourselves, even our own personalities or or we we we're very critical. We can see, you know, we're so aware of of uh, the the not very good side of ourselves. So and this this is just, you know, the, the so we end up always trying to, you know, improve ourselves in some way. And uh, we can do this in monastic life, isn't it? And we've got an ideal of a, what a good monk or nun is, and then and we want to make ourselves into that model, some kind of beautiful model of what a, or we see somebody we admire, a kind of role model, 
So we'd like to be like him or her, and uh, we want to emulate and copy and and become like that. But the the whole point of this life, coming a life, is transcendence, really. Not uh, kind of trying to make ourselves into uh, something else, into monks and nuns, but into but uh, it's a expedient means. Like monastic life is an expedient means only for you for real, real, for realization. Not meant to be an identity or another kind of condition that we create ourselves as as Buddhist monks or Buddhist nuns. So this le- letting be yourself isn't the like grasping any sense of a self, but recognizing it, allowing it, welcoming in whatever qualities it manifests. It's a whinging, complaining, weak, nasty little self, except that it belongs. It's a gallant, noble, fearless self that belongs. It's like everything belongs. Our relationship, boring and and uh, dull and stupid, that belongs. There's just like there's no there's no uh, there's no need to kind of try to control it. But the way to to be free from suffering is to allow to accept life as it is, to know things as they are, and then. To trust in this awareness, which is a sense of relief, of being at ease with life. We say being fully oneself, not thinking I, I have to prove something, I have to be something, I have to become something. So like in, in monastic community, the, the, uh, this, uh, you know, like having positions in the community. You have all these, you know, roles that we, we take on. So like habits and work monk and work nun and guest master and <coughs> or on and on like this, doorkeeper. You know, these are, you know, we can observe how we hold these these roles. Well, they, when, when I first became an abbot, which was at Wat Nana Chat, 1975, 76, I, 75, 1975, I think, I, uh, you know, the, the perception of being Jawa Wat was the first time I'd ever had that, that perception of myself. <laughs> so, that means the abbot. So, I mean, it, that was, uh, I didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, my, my role models were like Ajahn Chah, Lumpa Chah, another one, another monk that I looked to a lot for guidance, and he was Ajahn Lumpa Jan. So these are, those were the two kind of role models of who, who I would, you know, look to as, uh, they were abbots of monastery. But also, I've had, I had a military background, so I had 
you know, seen things, it's easy to, to kind of revert back into kind of military uh, mindsets when you're in a situation like that. With a training, monastic training, uh, you know, all these ideas of training and, and um, trying to, you know, and, and being in a naval training program. I remember in the, they put through 13 weeks of kind of unrelentless uh, demands, insults, and so on. <laughs> where you're trying to, to create this, this group of men into a, a unified body where the, they obey orders as a unit, you know, and don't have time for individual needs or problems. In the military, they, you, it's strict conformity. But that's what you need in a, in a, when you're fighting a war. You don't need a lot of high-minded idealists and individualists. The, the officer says, uh, shoot, and, and, the one, and one soldier might say, I don't feel like shooting today. <laughs> <laughs> this is not one of my good shooting days. <laughs> how to, you know, seeing that this was, uh, it brought up all these, these this, my sense of my, me as a person, very strongly, of being in a position where I was expected to, to be at the top, which, uh, you know, to be the boss, to be the Jarawat, to be the abbot, to be the teacher. And of course, that brought all kinds of emotional reactions of, you know, really, they're very frightening. Because I didn't know. <laughs> it was, uh, suddenly you're, you're, you're given this power, but you, you don't know how to use it. And you're, you're, and it brings up your emotions around who you think you are, your, you're an ag- you, you know, you tend to see yourself as not ready for. I felt I wasn't ready for such a position. Felt uh, I used to feel I'm not, I'm not ready for this yet. I don't want to do this. But yet, necessity forced the issue. So that was one rose to that. But then, is through the power of the meditation, isn't it? This awareness. I be, I could keep reflecting on you know, my own trepidation or the uh, way I would, the mistakes I would make. You know, I could become very forceful and demanding or very weak and democratic and and uh, um, trying to please everybody or just take a hard stand and you say, shut up, just obey, you know. Don't give me any of your back talk. Okay, yet heavy like that. <laughs> so that just by trial and error, you know, it, um, because the whole process was more in trusting in the awareness than in, than making being habit of what I taught the kind of first thing of my life. What has the priority in any situation? You know, the, 
Now, worldly life, worldly play, because think, well, you've got a lot of responsibilities now. You've got to train these monks. You've got to, you know, teach. You've got to make sure everything's proper. We've got into the support and the dana and on and on like this and the lay people and the guests and, and so then it becomes, you know, that kind of, uh, concocting of or adding to all the the things that I, the abbot, am responsible for. When I started thinking about it, would just be very depressing because I didn't feel, you know, found it sounded so so complicated and like I wouldn't have time for meditation at all. I just I'm just stuck now in a position where all I've I've just got to deal with this or training and and meeting with the lay people and teaching and and uh, as a new you know we just lived out in the in the woods there weren't any coochies at first there we had to deal with building and with uh, well digging and and everything and just and I felt you know naturally overwhelmed by when I when you when I thought about it and my ability to uh, to deal with all these issues I felt totally inadequate. So then you get into despair. You can't do it too much. Not ready for this. I want to go to my cave with my... (laughs) So, then recognize that by, you know, keep, keep adding that to to the present moment, creating this, you know, all the duties, responsibilities, the importance of my position, uh, you know, how responsible I am and accountable, and and if I do it wrong, I'm going to screw up everything and and be criticized, and I'm going to uh, be a failure and humiliate myself and and cause suffering to a lot of other people, and and then it all you know, increasingly more complicated. So the, this as you want to back out, run away, move away from it all. Or to trust in the awareness of all this, the way the mind creates endless complications. You know, it's conditioned to do that, you know, being from a society, Western society that is, is always doing that. In America, we always do that. We complicate everything. Now a superpower because it's so complicated. <laughs> and that's a hard one to deal with, isn't it? It is superpower. <clears throat> well then, uh, also Lung Po Cha being a kind of role model, I could always, you know, consult him or, you know, begin to contemplate what uh, what it is like Lung Po Cha could be in the middle of everything and still be completely himself being fully at ease with himself as he is even in the midst of you know hundreds of monks lay people lo- monks disrobing uh, lay people complaining uh, scandals in the Sangha and being criticized and blamed by monks outside the monastery and being, you know, the, 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 
the the kind of milieu that that Lung Po Cha lived in, and yet there was always a sense he was completely at ease with himself in the midst of it all. And so that was a, a good, you know, a, a visual example I could remember. There was this one man who could, in the midst of the storm of the inferno, still be completely at ease. Be fully himself. I mean, he wasn't just a kind of blank, uh, nothing. He, he was a, he had a, a tremendous charismatic quality, a, a very charming personality, a great charmer. Uh, he was ebullient. He kind of radiated. So I mean, he was a very attractive person, attractive human being because he, uh, you know, he is definitely fully present and at ease, and yet could always you know, knew how to respond to particular conditions as they came into his consciousness. So that was the 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 uh, what I kept remembering. How does he do that? You know. So then the grass idea. I must always be at ease in, in the midst of turmoil. <laughs> and that's not it, is it? You're always going to fail if you grasp that one. But learning to trust, isn't it? This more and more put your trust in this emptiness of the present, in this in the awareness, in just being, in allowing life to be the way it is, people to be the way they are, your own uh, conditions, you know, from your body or emotions, allow them to be the way they are, not not controlling, not manipulating, not trying to make it something else. I noticed the Dalai Lama has this ability to be fully himself in the midst of crowds of people and bodyguards and all kinds of threatening figures and adoring followers and whatnot. I noticed how when when we are put when we put ourselves in situations we get put in situations of responsibility and duties and positions then if you know it's easy to revert back to models from the past it's like let's say it was easy for me to to go military because that was you know that was something I had four years in the navy so i mean that i've left you know four years of military life leaves strong impressions. So I mean it's <coughs> it's easy to revert back to to models even if you didn't like them. Even if you didn't like them at the time. I'm I was not a military I didn't like military life actually. <laughs> Wasn't my cup of tea. But uh but yet when thrown in a position of being in charge of a group of men, then suddenly you're kind of desperately, you know, working from from uh, models that you uh, that you've experienced, even if they've been inadequate or even wrong. And that's how it works. 
right? The story I had when I was teaching these in the Peace Corps. These I had these uh, classes of children, Chinese. I worked in the Chinese community in this little town in Saba, Semporna. The little children about nine and ten years old. <coughs> and I was an English teacher that I taught taught them, them, you know, the certain style of teaching English that they used in Malaysia at the time. We were supposed to train them in this technique. And so well, I didn't I never taught young children like that and uh I wasn't all that fond of the technique, actually, but anyway, this is what I was supposed to teach. So it was, uh, and then the children couldn't speak any English. I'd learned a bit of what they call bizarre Malay, more like bizarre Malay, my, my version of it. And I had a smattering of Mandarin Chinese, so, but there's this frustration of having to to face all these children without a common language and uh, and and not knowing what to do, being very insecure in the beginning. So then uh, I found myself acting in a quite strange way with them the first couple of weeks. I kept, why do I act like that? You know, normally you wouldn't act like that. And I realized that suddenly I reverted back to when I was that age, the kind of old maid school teachers I had, I was kind of emulating these old spinsters. That <laughs> and it was not intentional. It was kind of like just the conditions brought up the, this kind of, you know, that, that was that was the, the conditions of the, the young children. And I'm a teacher, and the, I mean, it wasn't logically thought out. It just happened like that. So. I thought, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Is that how it works? How we just, you know, why it's like children who are abused when they're young oftentimes abuse their children when they get older. You know, you think, well, if I were abused when I was young, I certainly wouldn't abuse my children. But if you don't awake, you're not reflective, you don't notice, you don't learn, then you, you tend to repeat the same things. You operate according to the program. So this atamyata, this not that concocted thing, the state of being of not that condition. So it's uh, <coughs> so then the, the realizing this, recognizing, treasuring this in religion, isn't it? It's given. It's usually elevated to a high position, so it, we, we we don't recognize it anymore. So we, you know, the the reality, God or Allah or the Dhamma or all these things become we we are, we give them we we create them into sacred objects rather than recognizing realizing that. Now on a personal level, you it's so easy to think, well you're 
you can't do it, or it's it's too arcane, too remote, too uh, difficult. But then I don't believe anything like that. Whatever you think you are, or your abilities are, or are not, you know, that's what you're. You're not. Don't don't limit yourself by those kind of grasping those kind of boundaries, those limitations. So it's this trusting awareness, the pure presence, sound of silence, the kind of open. Relaxed, at ease with yourself. There's nothing you have to do. You don't have to get anything or get rid of anything. You don't have to change anything or improve anything. So in the sitting postings, we we settle down. It's easy, you know, to you know the calm and the level of tranquility that comes through. Just uh, very more passive, not so active. So meditation, like sitting for long periods of time, not talking or not doing anything. What I encourage in this retreat is to really get to, to really appreciate and recognize this natural state of being, pure presence. It's like this. In this way, it's like this is more or less a pointing. You know, that it, your conscious experience is, is accepting it. You know, you, it, 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 be, it, be, it becomes fully conscious. Consciousness and Sati Sampachanya working together. So it's like when you see the, 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 the way of liberation, the way out of all that complexity and confusion. No, that's something to to really notice and to trust in. So tomorrow is the last day of this retreat, formal retreat, and then the 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 um, Sunday is the twentieth, <coughs> and then twenty-first uh, is the one path to put you in the. You know, the perspective of the conditioned world of January, winter's retreat. I'm about to say that this is, uh, we have, uh, rest of January, February, and March to, to keep uh, exploring this, you know. And this is, it's this encouragement, this continuous encouragement I give to trust in your own, you know, to recognize uh, it's very important for to give you that empowerment. You know that you can do it. It's something you trust in, and not not uh, keep think, keep getting caught in your doubts about uh, your you know that you you might hold to in regards to the way you easily get intimidated by the tradition or the views of other people or the books you read. So easy to to get overwhelmed by the the clever views, opinions uh, uh, that that other people have or you read in, in other books. 
uh, don't put your faith in, and trust in things like that, in conditioned phenomena. You know, don't, that's not your refuge in the views or opinions, ideas of anybody else, or even your own. But you need to trust in this, in this unconcocted state of being, your presence, awareness, atamita. Thank you.